Last week, if you were here, um, I, we were teaching there in Genesis 6, and I made a little side joke. Last week's message, we were really talking about the command, the, the command by God to Noah to build the ark. And so, and, we, and I kind of made a little side passing joke about Noah kind of being the early, you know, cruiser. You know, he was out there cruising the high seas. And, you know, it was a little funny joke um, about that, Noah being on a big cruise ship. Now, I have never been on a cruise personally. I've not been on Norwegian or Disney or Carnival or whatever it is. I, I haven't been on these cruises, but many of my friends and family have been on these cruises, and I've seen the pictures, and I understand that they're phenomenal. They're incredible. And I have to let you know, and I have to tell you that Noah and his family, what they went through was nothing like a cruise. No. <laughs> It was absolutely nothing like a cruise. There were no swimming pools. There were no water slides. There were no endless food buffets. There was no late night entertainment. There were no pina coladas. <laughs> it was hard. It was rough. It was a real trial in that sense. After Noah and his family entered the ark, it rained for 40 days and 40 nights. 40 Forty is a number that you will see a lot of in the Bible. Here it rained for 40 days and 40 nights in our chapter tonight in Genesis chapter 7. Later in the Bible, 40 comes up again because we see that the children of Israel, the Israelites, were in the desert for 40 years. And then we see it pop up again. Jesus fasted for 40 days and 40 nights and he went into the desert there for that time period, and he was tempted by the enemy. And so we see this number 40. 40 is a number that in the Bible that has to do with testing. It's usually a time of testing, it's usually a time of trial. So maybe you're looking around at life and you've been told that it's supposed to be a bowl of cherries, but all you have is the pits. You've been told that life should be more like a cruise and not a test. Well, I'm here to tell you that life can be both. Jesus said, I've come to give you life and life to the full. But he also said, in this world, you will have tribulation. The word also tells us that we would go through various tests and trials and that we even shouldn't be surprised by them. So the question is, what should we do? in times of testing, in times of trial? How should we respond? And what specifically could we learn from Noah about this? Tonight we're going to look at Genesis chapter seven, how to successfully navigate a test. The first point is this tonight, obey the voice of the Lord. Obey the voice of the Lord. Let's look at Genesis chapter seven, Let's pick it up, verse 1. It says this. Then the Lord said to Noah, Come into the ark, you and your, your whole household, because I have seen that you are righteous before me in this generation. You shall take with you seven each of every clean animal, a male and his female, two each of animals that are unclean, a male and his female, also seven each of the birds of the air, male and female, to keep the species alive on the face of the earth. 
For after seven more days, I will cause it to rain on the earth 40 days and 40 nights. And I will destroy from the face of the earth all living things that I have made. And Noah did according to all that the Lord commanded him. Noah was 600 years old when the flood waters were on the earth. So Noah, with his sons, his wife, and his sons' wives, went into the ark because of the waters of the flood. Of clean animals, of animals that are unclean, of birds, and of everything that creeps on the earth, two by two they went into the ark to Noah, male and female, as God had commanded Noah. And it came to pass after seven days that the waters of the flood were on the earth. And in the 600th year of Noah's life, in the second month, in the 17th day of the month, on that day, all the fountains of the great deep were broken up, and the windows of heaven were opened, and the rain was on the earth 40 days and 40 nights. On the very same day, Noah and Noah's sons, Shem, Ham, and Japheth, and Noah's wife, and the three wives of his sons with them entered the ark, and they and every beast after its kind, all cattle of every kind, every creeping thing that creeps on the earth after its kind, and every bird after its kind, every bird after, of every sort. And they went into the ark to Noah, two by two, of all flesh in which is the breath of life. So those that entered, male and female of all flesh, went in as God had commanded him, and the Lord shut him in. How do you go through a test? How do you navigate through a trial? The first point is this. You, you need to learn, you need to do it, obeying the voice of the Lord. Our chapter began with these words, and the Lord said to Noah, and the Lord is speaking to each and every one of us. It was said by a great philosopher, he is not silent, we are just not listening, right? And so we need to listen for the voice of the Lord, and we need to hear it, and we need to obey it. Of course, he spoke in his word, but he is speaking in that still small voice by his Holy Spirit to us today, nudging us, encouraging us in the word, in the path, in the way that we should go. Obeying God's voice is what's going to save you through the trial. Obeying God's voice is what is going to bring you through in the way that God wants to bring you through, obeying the voice of the Lord. In chapter 6, last week, Noah received the command to build the ark. And he built it. He, he, he worked on the ark for 120 years. He obeyed the command of the Lord to build the ark. And he worked on it for 120 years and he completed it. Here in chapter 7, he is invited by the Lord into the ark. After the completion of the ark, God spoke to Noah and said, come. Look at that verse 1 again with me. Then the Lord said to Noah, come into the ark, you and all your household, because I have seen that you are righteous before me in this generation. He was invited into the ark. Come into the ark, you and your household. This is the voice of the Lord. God is speaking to him. And this is the invitation from God. This is the leading of God. His voice today goes out just like this. His voice goes out to each and every one of us. He'll say, come here, 
go this way. There's a, there's a psalm that actually says that he will lead us and he'll lead us with his eye. He'll show us exactly where we're going. There will be that still small voice that will say, go this way or go that way. And, and just like Noah responded to the Lord and, 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 and to the voice of the Lord, we need to respond as well to the voice of the Lord. We need to obey the voice of the Lord. Now, this was, the, this was an invitation by God. It's in obeying the voice of the Lord that salvation is found. Yep, obeying the voice of the Lord. We're called to obey the gospel. That's the one thing that we can do. We can't do anything to earn our salvation. It's, it's 100% a work of the Lord Jesus Christ, what he did for us on Calvary. We have to simply obey the gospel. And so there is an obedience to the gospel. And then there's an obedience, a continued obedience to the voice of the Lord. As we learn to walk with the Lord, and we looked at that last week, that Noah walked with the Lord in his generation, and we need, to, we need to learn how to walk with the Lord. And one of the ways that we learn how to walk with the Lord is learning how to walk and talk with him. Yeah, we used to sing a song, he walks with me and talks with me, right, along life's narrow way. And so we learn to walk with him, we learn to talk with him, and we'd probably do better to let him do most of the talking, although he can handle our talking too. He can handle whatever you need to tell him. Sometimes people, you know, read the Psalms, folks. Read the Psalms. The Psalms are filled with all kinds of people just crying out to the Lord and telling him all kinds of crazy things. And so he can handle your crazy. Trust me. And then when you're done letting him hear you're crazy, then listen to him because he's not crazy. All right? We're all crazy. We're all weird. Right? You deny it in public, but at home we know we're all weird. Right? And it's re just rest assured. You just, can just rest assured tonight. We're all strange. <laughs> but he's not strange. He's got a plan. And he knows which way you should go. And if we'll learn to hear him, wow, we'll do well in our lives. It's, it is in obeying the voice of the Lord in times of testing that security is found in the midst of the fiercest trial or test. Look what the invitation is to Noah. Come. Come. That's the word. Come. Come into the ark. You with your family. Come into the ark. I wanted to read to you what 17th and 18th century pastor and theologian Matthew Henry said about God's invitation to Noah. This is what he said. The call itself is very kind like that of a tender father to his children, to come indoors when he sees night or a storm coming. Come thou and all thy house, that small family that thou hast, come into the ark. And you can hear the voice of the father, right? You can hear the voice of the Lord. Come into the ark. And so God called him into the ark. Now you think for yourself, okay, it's, it's, you know, what, what, what do you call that when it's, you know, you've been waiting for something to happen and it's going down, right? You know, you've been, you've been anticipating something and, and now it's up on you and it's like, you know, this is D-Day, so to speak, right? Let's use that reference. It's D-Day. It's like, come into the ark. Okay, this thing's going down. This thing's going down. Uh, maybe a, a, up until that point there was even, you know, I'm building the ark, but man, I hope it's, you know, I hope God keeps putting it off. Just keep put, putting it off because I don't want it to come. But sure enough, it came, and the invitation came. Come in to the ark. And we need to realize this fact. 
that the Lord will sometime invite us to come into the ark, even though he knows that the rain is going to come and the, and the waters are going to come and they're going to pelt down on the earth and pelt down on that, that ark. And it's going to be a trial. It's going to be a time in that ark. It's, it, like I said, it's not going to be a cruise ship. It's not going to be water slides and pina coladas. It's going to be a trial in there for a long time. But he, nonetheless, he says, come into the ark. And Jesus did the same thing. There was that passage in Matthew chapter 14, after Jesus fed the, the 5,000, that he, he told his disciples to get into the boat and go to the other side. Now, Jesus know, knows everything, right? Right? Jesus knows everything. Wouldn't you know it, when, the, when they got out into the middle of the boat, what happened? A storm came up. Storm came up. Jesus knows the storm's going to come up. Well, if he knew the storm's coming up, why did he put him in the boat and send him into the middle of the thing in the middle of the night? Why didn't he say, you know what, don't take the lake route this way tonight. Just walk around the lake tonight. You know, just walk. Because it's going to get, get hairy out there tonight, and I don't want you. No, he sent them out into the lake knowing full well what was going to happen. I want to read you the passage. Matthew 14, 22. I won't have it on the screen, but you could turn there if you'd like. He says this, immediately... Jesus made his disciples get into the boat and go before him to the other side while he sent the multitudes away. And when he had sent the multitudes away, he went up on the mountain by himself to pray. Now when evening came, he was alone there. But the boat was now in the middle of the sea, tossed by the waves, for the wind was contrary. Now in the fourth watch of the night, Jesus went to them walking on the sea. Now we don't have time to get into that whole passage, and that's a fun passage, because that's the passage where Jesus is walking on the water, right? That's the passage where Jesus is the first surfer, and, 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 and Peter becomes the second surfer and the first wipeout, right? But we don't have time to get into all that, but I want to point out a couple of interesting things about the, about the story that Jesus sent them out into the lake and he goes up to, the, up to the mountain and prays, right? I want to submit something to you. That while we're in the midst of the storm, our Lord and Savior is making intercession above looking below. Yes. Now you say, now wait a second. Why is he up in the mountain praying for us? That's all good and great, but I'd rather him be there with us in the midst of the storm. Well, he's there too. Did you catch that last verse? Now in the fourth watch of the night, Jesus went to them walking on the sea. So he's up above praying for us, interceding for us, knowing full well what we're going to go through, and he's with us in the midst of it, calling us out onto the sea to walk with him. So knowing that God is leading us, perhaps into a time of trial, perhaps into a time, a season of great blessing and favor, but a time, maybe another time, of trial. God knows what's going to happen from the beginning to the end. He's the first and the last. He's the Alpha and the Omega. And so we can trust him. We can trust his leading. We can trust his voice. When he says, get into the boat and go to the other side, we can trust. We can trust that we're going to make it to the other side and that we're going to learn something in between. Amen? So let's not miss the fact that we need to be learning everything that we need to be learning as we're going through these trials. And certainly Peter learned a thing or two that day. And the rest of them, the rest of the disciples learned a thing or two as well. And so Jesus invited them to go across into the boat, into the midst of the sea, into the midst of the storm, and hear the Father, hear the Lord invites Noah 
to, to come into the ark. Now listen, God does not bid him to go into the ark. He doesn't say go into the ark. He says come into the ark. Come into the ark. Implying that God would go with him. Would lead him into it, accompanying, accompanying him in it. And in due time bring him safely out of it. So God doesn't do anything where he doesn't lead us and he's walking with us through the entire thing. God invites us to follow him, to obey him, and then he takes us through whatever it is that he invites us to do. Whether it's this glorious blessing and we're just, you know, can't wait to tell everybody how blessed it was and whatever, or it's a test in a time of trial. That we're going to learn great things, and we're going to learn to trust on the Lord like we never have. Whatever it is, he invites us to go, and he, he doesn't invite us to go alone. He goes with us. He goes with us because he's going to walk all the way through with us to the other side. Psalm 23, 4, a familiar passage, right? This is the, the Lord, the, the, the shepherd, um, Psalm of the great shepherd. Verse 4 says, Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. What? For you are with me. Come into the ark. Come into the ark. This is the invitation. God is with you, Christian. If you're with the Lord, if you've given your life to the Lord, if you're a Christian, God is with you. Sometimes it may not feel like it. And notice, notice how I said that. Sometimes it may not feel like it. But we're not people. We don't need to be people that are ruled and reigned by our feelings. We have a king of kings and a lord of lords, and his name is Jesus Christ, and he said, I will never leave you or forsake you. So know, Christian, that God is with you. He's going with you through the shadow of the valley of death. He's going with you. So Noah's invited to go into the ark with him and his whole family. His wife his three sons, Shem, Ham, and Japheth, and their wives, right? Eight people. It's reconfirmed in the New Testament by the Apostle Peter in his epistle that it indeed was eight people that entered the ark. So they, they go into the ark. And after they went into the ark, the rain did not begin for seven days. We are told this, and it tells us this in verse 4 and verse 10. Look at verse 4. For after seven more days I will cause it to rain on the earth 40 days and 40 nights, and I will destroy from the face of the earth all living things that I have made. And then verse 10. And it came to pass after seven days that the waters of the flood were on the earth. So he entered the ark. He obeyed the invitation to go into the ark. And so you get the, the family all in there. And it's like, can you imagine what that must have been like? Okay, so because we read how it all went down, right? There was this grand procession of two by two, all the animals. And we sing it in songs. And, you know, Noah and the, everybody went in, you know, everyone went in two by two. And can you imagine when, you know, when that, the last bird flew in or the last, you know, whatever it was. And, and, and we got everybody in there and it's like, okay, here we go. All right. All right. What's going to happen now? What's going to happen next? Okay, we're, we're ready for this. Seven more days. They sat there for seven more days. What? What is this? What is this all about? 
let's get, I mean, let's get, let's get the, 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 the show on the road, so to speak, right? The ark on the water, so to speak. We can coin a new phrase. What's going on? It is really the reality of and a picture of this seven days, this extra week, the long, long suffering of the Lord. And it's after 120 years of building the ark, after inviting Noah and his family to enter the ark with all the animals and inviting them into the ark, there's one more week, one more seven days. It's as if to say to the world, we're going to just pause right here. We're going to give you one more week to come to repentance. We're going to give you one more opportunity. There's going to be this one last week. where one more week, seven days to come to me, to come to your senses, to come to repentance, to, 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 to figure out that you need salvation. Seven days. Seven days before the door was shut and before the waters began. Seven days. Now, at the end, and when I say the end, the very end, leading up to the return of Christ, there's going to be another week. Similar to that week. Similar to this seven days, it's going to be another week. Only it's not going to be a seven-day week, it's a seven-year week. It's a seven-year week right at the end leading up to the return of Christ, what the, what the prophets called the day of the Lord. And so there's going to be this last seven years. And, 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 and you see this as just really the, the, the opportunity of the Lord because there's coming a time when you read all the way to the end of the book that everyone will have kind of made their decision. Everyone really would have made their decision and, and there's coming a time that where there won't be any more decisions on this made? There was a decision, there was a time that came when there was no decisions, no decisions that could be made about getting into the ark. We're going to cover that just here in a few minutes. But, but in the end, there's the final state of all being. If you read the last two chapters of Revelation, there's this, this final state. The Lord has kind of set everything right and brought us truly back to the garden of Eden. Read the last chapter of the Bible. It's literally, we've come back to the garden, only better because we've been, we've been glorified through the redemption of Christ that he's brought into our lives and brought to a state of glorification. And it's an incredible, an incredible thing. So we see in the seven days leading up to the flood, the mercy of God, the long suffering of God. And in the very end, there's one more week. It's a seven. I didn't reference the, the pattern there. In prophetic terms, there's a, what's called a seven, and it's a seven-day week. We learn about this in the prophets, and it becomes most clear to uh, the reader when you're reading the book of Daniel and Daniel chapter 9 because there's a prophecy by the Lord that comes through the angel Gabriel to Daniel the prophet, and it's called the 77's prophet, prophecy. And it deals with 70 of these seven-week periods. And there's 69 of them that are complete. And there's this one kind of dangling week. There's this one seven left. And that's just kind of, kind of hanging out there for the Lord's timing. And it's hanging out there as a demonstration, a final demonstration of the long, long suffering of the Lord. 
Amen? Amen. It basically shows us this, that God is patient, not willing that anyone should perish, but that everyone should come to everlasting life. This is the way Peter said it there in 2 Peter 3, verse 9. You'll see it on the screen. The Lord is not slack concerning his promise, as some count slackness, but is long-suffering toward us, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. Now, back to Genesis there, and as you come to the last little section there, verses 13 through 17, you see... In verse 13, it says, On the very same day, Noah and Noah's sons, Shem, Ham, and Japheth, and Noah's wives, and his three wives of his sons with them entered the ark. And then skipping down to verse 16, it says, And so those that entered, male and female of all flesh, went in as God has commanded him, and the Lord shut him in. And so we see that they entered the ark. And this section really serves as kind of like a... It's one of the commentators actually said it's almost kind of like an honor to Noah. It's like, you know what? Yeah, they did it. They, they built, they, they obeyed the Lord. They built the ark for 120 years. They entered, they heeded the voice of the Lord to enter the ark. And here it is. They entered the ark with exactly the way that God told them to do it. And they entered the ark. And so it's, it's, it's like, uh, kind of a, an honor to Noah in the sense that, that he listened to the voice of the Lord and followed the Lord. And then you come down to verse 17, and it says, and so they entered, and look, I want you to look just at that last phrase because that's a very key phrase. I referenced it earlier. It says, and the Lord shut him in. And the Lord shut him in. I have been saying this. I've been preaching the gospel of Christ for 24 years. I have been saying this for 24 years. Who shut the door of the ark? It was the Lord. The Lord shut it. Noah didn't shut it. The Lord shut the door. The Lord shut him in the ark. That means that God has the final say. God is in control of the entire matter. And let this be an encouragement to you that when you're going through the trial, when you're going through the, the, the testing, when you're going through the time of tribulation, wow, you can look to the Lord during that time knowing that he's the one that shut the door of the ark. He's certainly got your situation under control. If you'll just trust him, if you'll heed his voice, he is going to bring you through. Now, there's coming a time that the door will be shut. Jesus said, I am the door. It's one of the seven I am statements of Christ. He says, I am. I am. I, I am. For Abraham was, I am. I am the door. I am the door. The door is wide open. He's the way. If you'll come through Jesus, if you'll come to Jesus, if you'll come to the way, if you'll come to the door, and you'll enter through the door, salvation is yours. Everything that God has for you is, is, is yours, and he's got a plan and a direction for your life. But there's coming a time, just like there was a time at the end of this seven days, that the Lord shut the door, shut the door of the ark. And there's a time that the Lord is going to shut the door. All the decisions are going to be made, and that door is going to be shut. Here's the admonition. Don't wait. Don't wait to serve the Lord. Don't, don't wait 
Don't wait another minute to trust him. Don't wait another minute to, to heed his voice. Don't wait another minute to, 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 to know that your, your trust is put 100% in him and that when you're going through a time of trial or you're on a mountaintop, you're trusting in the Lord. Don't wait one more minute to turn to the Lord and come to repentance and salvation. Don't wait another day. Tomorrow might be too late. Begin today. Get on the ark of safety. So the first key to going through a trial is this, obeying the voice of the Lord. You say, well, Charles, that's too simple, right? It's gotta be, there's got to be some more pointers in there. If you'll obey the voice of the Lord, trust me, you're going to make it through with shining colors, and you're going to come out on the other side refined in the fire as pure silver. Why? Because he sits as a refiner of silver, and he's going to bring you through shining like silver for all eternity. Amen? Now, the second key is that you overcome through Christ. You overcome through Christ. Let's finish up the chapter. Verse 17, it says this, Now the flood was on the earth 40 days. The waters increased and lifted up the ark, and it rose high above the earth. And the waters prevailed and greatly increased on the earth. And the ark moved about on the surface of the waters, and the waters prevailed exceedingly on the earth, and all the high hills under the whole heaven were covered. The waters prevailed 15 cubits upward, and the mountains were covered, and all flesh died that moved on the earth, birds and cattle and beasts and every creeping thing that creeps on the earth, and every man, all in whose nostrils was the breath of, of the spirit of life. All that was on the dry land died. So he destroyed all living things which were on the face of the ground, both man and cattle, creeping thing and bird of the air. And they were destroyed from the earth. Only Noah and those who were with him in the ark remained alive. Verse 24, and the waters prevailed on the earth 150 days. We overcome through Christ. We overcome through Christ. As was already mentioned in verse 12, it's mentioned again. In verse 17, that the rain came for 40 days and 40 nights. And here's that number 40 again, right? That number 40 that we talked about earlier in the opening. I talked to you about the number 40 biblically has to do with the time of testing, a time of trial. And we see it here as the earth is being destroyed by the water and Noah and his family are going through the testing of being on the ark and dealing with the whole thing. And I, want to, I just want to put that in your mind. You know, that, that it was a time of testing for them. Can you imagine? I mean, on one hand, they're like, yeah, we're glad we're saved, but what's going to happen? Where's this thing going? How long is this going to be? How high is it going to be? Where are we going to be? Where are we going to be when we get out? It's a time of testing. It's a time of trial. It's a time of learning how to trust the Lord. And that's what a test and a trial will do. If you heed the voice of the Lord, you'll learn through it how to heed, heed his voice, how to trust on him, how to, how to trust in him, how to cling to him. Jesus fasted and was tempted 40 days in the desert of Judea. The Israelites spent 40 years in the desert after they left Egypt. And here you have the rain coming for 40 days and 40 nights. Now, when the rain started, okay, so they went in and the door was shut and Noah and his family are in there with all the animals and all that. And then the rain comes. And then the people, all of Noah's neighbors were probably like, oh, okay. Here's the rain. Here's the rain coming down. Well, you know what? It's going to stop. In the morning, it'll be over. 
We've said that recently, right? <laughs> In the morning, it'll be sunny. But they woke up the next day, and it wasn't. And the next day, and it wasn't. And, they, and, and the third day, and the fourth day, and the fifth day, and the sixth day, and 40 days until everything was wiped out. Everything was wiped out. A recurring phrase that you see in this section, verses 17 through 24, that we just read, and I'll put it up on the screen. This is almost kind of the recurring phrase. The waters prevailed. Did you catch that as we read it? We read through that section, and, and this was the, this was pr the prevailing sentiment. <laughs> the waters prevailed. You have won, the waters increased. There was a waters, the waters increased. And four times it says that the waters prevailed. The waters increased, and the waters prevailed, and the waters prevailed, and the waters prevailed, and the waters prevailed. And those who did not repent did not survive. But even for Noah and his family, the waters kept coming. Until you get down to the last verse and it says, and the waters prevail on the earth for 150 days. The waters increased and lifted up the ark and it rose high above the earth. Can you imagine what that, here they are, it finally, you know, the, the, the waters prevailed, the waters increased and it finally broke loose. It finally began to float. Can you imagine that moment? Oh, here we go. Here we go. Family, fam, <laughs> we're trusting in God. Here we go. The water's increased, and the waters are prevailing, and prevailing, and prevailing, and prevailing. And you can read through that section, and you can say, well, wow, that sounds a lot like my life. <laughs> I'm trying to serve the Lord. I'm trying to love the Lord, and it just seems like the waters are prevailing. The, the waters are increasing and they're prevailing and prevailing and prevailing and prevailing. Four times. What do you do? What do you do when the waters prevail and prevail and prevail and prevail? You just need to be tenacious in holding on to the Lord. Be tenacious in holding on to the Lord. If the waters are going to prevail, well, I'm going to hold on to the Lord even that much more. If I get one more water prevailing, that's it. I'm giving up. Three water prevailings is enough, but the fourth one is too much. I'm going to, I, I'm going to give up. I'm going to try something else. No. It doesn't matter how many times it says the waters prevail. You keep being tenacious and holding on to the Lord. Amen? Keep trusting him. And this is how it can seem in our lives. And we're learning how to trust him. You need to be relentless in your faith, believing that the Lord is carrying you through. Let me just tell you this, Christian. The waters might be prevailing on the outside, but if you're in the ark holding on to Christ, you're prevailing in Christ. Amen?
Let me say it again. The waters might be prevailing on the outside, but if you're in the ark with Jesus, you're prevailing because he's going to take you through. You're a conqueror. Amen? He brought you in there. He's going to bring you out. He's with you and he's going to see you through. You will overcome through Christ, through hanging on to him. We're reminded of this in the book of Revelation. We go from Genesis to Revelation. Why? Because this whole thing ties together like an unbelievable situation, like no other situation. Genesis to Revelation. In Revelation, we see that the believers overcame. Look at it, verse 11 of chapter 12. And they overcame him by the blood of the lamb. Speaking of the enemy, they overcame him by the blood of the lamb and the word of the testimony. They overcame him by the blood of Christ. We prevail, we overcome in Christ. We overcome in, in obeying the gospel, in heeding the voice of the Lord, in holding on to Christ, no matter what's happening, no matter what seems to be prevailing, we're going to prevail because we're with the Lord. Amen. Amen. Amen? Remember again, it's God that brought you into the time of testing. It's the Lord that brought Noah into the ark. It's the Lord that invited Noah into the ark. In Deuteronomy chapter 8, verse 2, God reminded the Israelites that it was him that took them out there. Look what he says. And you shall remember that the Lord your God led you all the way these 40 years. 40. 40 years in the wilderness to humble you and test you, to know what was in your heart, whether you would keep his commandments or not. Be reminded, Christian, it's the Lord that's leading you. And if you're heeding his voice, it's the Lord that's leading you. And you might be going through a test. And the t here's the test. Are you trusting in, in him? Are you holding fast to his commandments? What is it that's in your heart? I've said this before. You know, we go through a time of trial. We go through a time of testing. The testing's not for God. He knows all the answers. He already knows what's in your heart. The testing's for you. So that you can see what's going on and so that it can be manifest between you and the Lord in that, in that relationship that you have with him. And so that you become that rock solid believer that is not movable in Christ. Amen. And so when we sing those songs about the shelter of Christ and we sing those songs, I shall not be moved. Why? Because I take my refuge in Christ. That's what it's about. So what should we know? If we know this is true, what should we do? Well, the, the writer of Proverbs tells us to do this. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, and we can probably all quote it. Amen? This is probably up on your wall somewhere, Christian. Trust in the Lord with all your heart, and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him, and he shall direct your paths. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Trust him. Do you trust him? Don't lean on your own understanding. Wow, that's hard to do, isn't it? That's hard to do because we'd like to think we have some understanding, right? Acknowledge him. Acknowledge him in all your ways, and he shall direct your paths. I, I want my path to be directed by the Lord. Amen? Anybody with me? I want my path to be directed by the Lord. So I want to acknowledge him. I want to acknowledge him. And the first thing, when the sun comes up, Lord, I acknowledge you in your presence in my life. When the sun goes down and I'm about to lay my head on the pillow, Lord, I acknowledge you. I acknowledge you in all my ways and everything in between. 
Jesus said this, that we would have trouble in the world. John 16, These things I have spoken to you, that in me you may have peace. In the world you will have tribulation, but be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. Amen. Be of good cheer. In the world you will, be, you will have tribulation, but be of good cheer because I've overcome the world. There's the, there, there it is. We overcome through Christ. We overcome through Christ. God is going to bring you through the time of testing. He's going to bring you through the 40 days of rain. Now, I want to close the, the message with looking at the 40th Psalm. The message is called 40. We talked about 40 days and 40 nights of rain. The Israelites being in the desert for 40 years, Jesus being in the desert, tempted for 40 days, 40 nights. I want to talk to you tonight, right now, real quick about the 40th Psalm. Now, the Psalms weren't numbered like that. You know, the verses and the chapters weren't, in that sense, a part of the inspiration of Scripture. But sometimes it's just kind of neat like that, you know? The band U2 was in the studio recording their album, their war album. This was many, many years ago. And they had this leftover little piece of music that they didn't know what they were going to do with it. And they wondered what they would do with it. And I want to read to you what U2's guitarist said about what happened in the studio with that little piece of music. And... He has a name. I don't know what his name is. He, he actually goes by the name The Edge. This is the guitarist for you 2 He's The Edge, right? And um, what a cool name. If you can get everybody to call you that, I mean, that's cool. It's like <clears throat> you know you've made it when you've changed your name and it's one word and everybody buys into it, right? Okay, if you have done it, The Edge obviously has done it. Sting has done it. You know, some of these guys pull it off. Very few people can pull it off. This is what he said. So then we, we had this slightly unusual piece of music. And we said, okay, what are we going to do with it? And Bono said, let's do a song. He opened up the Bible and he found Psalm 40. And, and he said, this is it, let's do it. And within 40 minutes, they had finished the song. They'd worked out all the elements, and Bono had sung it, and we mixed it. And literally, after finishing the mix, we walked out through the door, and the next band walked in. And it went right on the album, the war album. And here are the lyrics, mostly right out of Psalm 40. So if you, if you, if you put the lyrics to the song and put Psalm 40 right next to each other, you'll, it's right there. It says this, I waited patiently for the Lord. He inclined and heard my cry. He brought me up out of the pit, out of the miry clay. I will sing, sing a new song. I will sing, sing a new song. Now this is the part that they added. How long to sing this song? 
How long to sing this song? How long, how long, how long, how long to sing this song? He set my feet upon a rock and he made my footsteps firm. And many will see and many will see and hear. And I will sing, sing a new song. 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 And then it ends with this. One more refrain. How long to sing this song? How long to sing this song? How long, how long, how long? How long to sing this song? What's happening in Psalm 40? What's happening is the psalmist has found himself down in the pit. He's found himself down in a trial and a test and a pit, and a miry clay, he calls it. And he called out to the Lord, and the Lord inclined to his cry and heard him and lifted him up and picked him out of the miry clay and put his feet upon a rock. And what happened when he did that? He put his feet upon a rock and he put a new song in his mouth. I will sing a new song. He put a new song in your mouth. Christian, did he pick you up out of the miry clay? Did he put a new song in your mouth? Amen. He set my feet upon a rock and made my footsteps firm. Many will see, many will see and hear, and I will sing the new song. What new song? The song of my redemption, the song of what the Lord did for me, the the song of the Lord's faithfulness, the song of, of salvation. I will sing the new song. There's always a new song to be sung, Christian. Now listen, here's the refrain that you two put in, and I want to answer the question. They said, how long to sing this song? How long to sing this song? How long, how long, how long, how long to sing this song? For how longs? I want to answer the question. We keep singing it. We keep singing the song. We keep singing the new song that he's put in our heart. And we keep singing it and we keep singing it. And while the waters are prevailing, we're singing the new song that the Lord's put in our heart. And while the waters are prevailing out there, we're singing a new song and we're prevailing in here. And how long to sing this song? We keep singing it all the way right up to where the Lord takes us literally into, the, into his very presence, either by death or through the second coming, the rapture, whatever. How long to sing this song? We keep singing and singing it and singing it and singing it. And we never stop until the Lord takes us to be with him. And then we're going to keep singing it too. <laughs> we're going to keep singing it and there's going to be a whole new batch of songs. So if you don't like new songs, you better get with the program because there's always a new song. Amen? <clears throat> there's always a new song to be sung in the Lord because he's always doing something. Amen? And we're going to have a whole new song to sing when we get to be with him. Look at, look at I'll close with this, Revelation 5. Look at it. The representatives of the church up in the heavens singing a new song, praising the Lord for what he's done. Bless the Lord because he's made us priests and kings. Amen? So 40. How do you navigate a time of testing and trial? You obey the voice of the Lord and you overcome through Christ.